Well, it's good to see you here for our Wednesday night uh, Bible study and prayer time. We're glad you're here. It's been a wonderful day. We had lots of sunshine, nice and warm, and, uh, and no rain yes. yet. That's the operative word, yet. So it uh, looks like uh, things are, the clouds are gathering out there, and we still may get some this evening. But um, anyway, uh, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, and we're going to read uh, verse 12, beginning at verse 12 through uh, 16. And this is one of the lists of the 12 apostles. Beginning at verse 12, Luke says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Simon, uh, whom also he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to uh, be focused on your word, and I pray this lesson will make a difference in our lives. It'll help us, encourage us as we study uh, these men whom you chose to be uh, your apostles, Lord. First, they were disciples, they were your followers, and then you chose them to be apostles. So, Father, just help us tonight, we pray. Thank you for those who have come out who have been faithful to be here, and uh, we pray that you would just bless this time. If there's any others that are coming, uh, we ask for safety for them. Uh, be with those that are uh, out because of sickness. Uh, also those who, uh, I, I was thinking of Jeff, uh, he's still down in Laramie, I guess, working, but uh, be with him and bring him safely home. And we'll thank you for that. And uh, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, we began uh, our study of the apostles with an introduction of who they were. And by the way, if you didn't uh, receive one, we've got lesson one here. Okay, they're all filled out for you already. And each week we'll have these up here in the basket. And uh, feel free to go ahead and get one. Their names uh, are listed into three groups of four each. And each of the three groups always contain the same four names, although not always in the same order. So we're going to be using Luke's list uh, for this series. So each week we'll begin right here with this list as we go through each of these men uh, in, in this uh, study. Dr. Peter Marshall. Anyone ever heard of him? Peter Marshall. Okay. Um, let's see here. 1902 until 1949. Uh, he was a Scottish-American Presbyterian preacher. And he served twice as the chaplain of the United States Senate. In a sermon entitled Disciples in Clay, he pictured the apostles appearing before an, an examining board appointed to choose Jesus' close associates. And this is what he said, quote, Peter stood there smelling of fish, uncouth, and uncultured, impulsive, and impetuous. Andrew, James, and John also reeked of fish oil, and they lacked refinement. Philip appeared indecisive. Thomas 
radiated cynicism. Matthew was considered a traitor to his country. Simon the Zealot was a dangerous revolutionary. Judas was a thief. Without whitewash, the New Testament paints them as they were, a group not most likely to succeed. And uh, that was his assessment of these men whom Jesus chose to be his apostles. Now, isn't it amazing? When you think of it, isn't, isn't it amazing uh, the kind of people that God uses? What's more amazing is that he chooses and he uses people like you and me. That's amazing. Jesus chooses people not for who they are uh, or anything that they can or cannot do, nor any skill or talent or human self-potential. He chooses us because of his grace and in order that he might receive all the glory. We all know that hymn, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. In this series, uh, we're going to use the following outline for each of the apostles. First, we're going to see their profile uh, or a concise biographical sketch. And then secondly, we're going to see their position uh, among the apostles. How did they line up? And then thirdly, we're going to see their portrait, a graphic portrayal um, described in words, okay? So we begin, first of all, with this fellow right here, Peter. He's the rock, the rock apostle who fell, but he rose again. Let's look, first of all, at his profile. Peter was a man of action. Uh, someone has described him as easily recognizable. He's the big fisherman. And uh, from the picture we saw just previously, we can say that he certainly fits that, uh, that portrait, doesn't it, or the profile. He was a big fisherman. Perhaps Peter is best known for two things. What would those two things be? Anybody? Pardon? His foot-shaped mouth. That's good, Violet. I heard somebody, I heard a preacher say that years ago, that Peter had a, his mouth was shaped like a foot because he's always sticking his foot in his mouth. But no, the, those are not what I was thinking about. There, there are two things. First of all, he denied the Lord Jesus. He denied his Savior. And then secondly, he walked on water. Those two things he's pretty much well known for. But, he is an example of a backslider who fell, but he was brought back and, he rest and restored to fellowship with his Lord. One author said this, quote, Peter, like so many of the members of Christ's church, let his weaknesses show. He argued. He let his temper rage. He bragged. He cursed. He slashed out with his sword. And finally, he denied the Lord Jesus. Now then, Simon is uh, his Hebrew name, okay? And uh, let's see if we can get this up here. All right, we're in the matter of his profile here, uh, his name, first of all, means hearing, okay? Simon is a Hebrew name, and it means hearing. 
You know, names are very important in the scriptures. Names have meanings. Uh, I learned a long time ago that my name, Paul, means small. Now, what does your name mean? Anybody have an idea? Melody. Her name is the song. The song. My favorite hymn is in my heart. There rings a melody. I've always said that. All right. Yes, Mike, did you say something? Oh, scratch my head. Oh, you were okay. Messenger of God. Gabe? Gabriel. Gabriel means a messenger of God. Isn't that good? Anybody else? Honeybees. Huh? Honeybees. Honeybees. <laughs> Melissa? It means a honeybee. We found that out Monday night. You did? Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that something? So, names are important. Simon is his Hebrew name and it means hearing, but the Lord gave him a new name, and that name was Peter, okay? And Peter, in Greek, (coughs) and Cephas, which is Aramaic, they both mean a small rock or a stone. Isn't that interesting? A small rock or a stone. And we see that, let me just give you a couple verses here. First, uh, (coughs) John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 42. In John 1, 42, it says, well, let me read verse 41 also. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone. And then in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, it says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here he's called Peter. Simon, <coughs> excuse me, Peter and Cephas both mean, <coughs> pardon me, they both mean uh, stone or small stone. But you know what? You know what's exciting too is that we, we also are given a new name when we uh, are born again into God's family. And what name is that? Christian. Christian. Right. We bear his name. We are called Christians. Peter and his brother Andrew were from uh, Bethsaida, which was a little uh, village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we find that in John chapter 1 and verse 44. They became partners with James and John in a fishing business. Now, another thing about Peter we know is that He was married. Did you know that? And there are several, pardon me, there are several scriptures that refer to that. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, for example. I'll I'll not read all this, uh, all the references, but Matthew 8 and uh, verse 14 tells us, and when Jesus was coming, pardon me, into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. So Peter's 
wife's mother was sick. Jesus entered the house. And of course, you read there, verse 15, it says, and he touched her and the fever left her. <coughs> and then Mark chapter 1 is also another reference. And then Luke chapter 4, verse 38. And 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 5. The Roman Catholic Church claims that Peter was the first pope. And that popes are to be celibate. That is, not married. Uh, So that leaves Peter out. Because we do know from Scripture that he was married. As a matter of fact, uh, nothing that I have ever read in all of my Christian life, I've never seen anything that really... uh, The Scriptures, especially, or history bears any account of him ever having been in Rome. Yes, sir. So, a question, I always wonder that part, because I know there's also the language of that part where he calls him upon this rock, mm-hmm. a little church. And I think, just by reading it, it's referencing more than just Peter. It's referencing his faith. The faith, it's upon that faith, the rock, or Jesus, Jesus, I will build my church. Right. And he's using Peter, his similar name as a stone, but I don't think it means Peter, upon you I'm going to build this church. That's a good point, Mike. Yeah, yeah very good, because uh, if you can just picture the Lord just speaking to Peter, and he says, uh, Thou art Peter, you're just a pebble, you're just a little stone. But then upon this rock, and I've always pictured the Lord referring to himself, upon this rock, yes, I will build my church. Yes. Not on Peter. Yeah. And we're going to find out why. Peter was, uh, he was not the best material to build a church on. Okay? Peter had some serious, serious issues. Okay? Um, so, he uh, had a wife. We know that he was married. Okay? And, of course, also, uh, he's the only person besides the Lord Jesus who uh, walked on water. In all of history, just like Jesus did. And, uh, of course, I think you, we all remember the story, what happened. Peter uh, got out. He, he um, certainly he stepped out, trusted the Lord just for a little bit. But then he kept his eyes on the storm and not on his Savior. And that's when he began to sink. And I think there's a lesson there for us. When we get our eyes off of Jesus and we get our eyes on the circumstances and the surroundings around us, uh, we're in trouble. Amen? So, he's the only person who ever walked on water besides uh, the Lord Jesus. Excuse me. Uh, Another thing about Peter, we see that uh, Andrew, his brother, introduced him to the Savior. And we see that in John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. Uh, You know what a blessing it is to... To, to, to bring a relative to Jesus. It really is a, a wonderful privilege and a, and a wonderful opportunity. Um, I, I had uh, the joy, if you've never heard Melody's testimony, I had the joy of leading Melody to the Lord Jesus. Many years ago when we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I was in Bible college, actually. And... Um, <clears throat> Came home one day and Melody was disturbed. (coughs) 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 
give me my inhaler. Did you bring it? No. You don't have it? Okay. Anyway, whenever we lead someone to, uh, I had the privilege also of leading some of our children to the Lord. And I thank the Lord for that opportunity. <clears throat> Pardon me. He, um, he was an apostle of the Jews. Um, he became an apostle to the, to the Jews. He proclaimed the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And then let's move on down. He also wrote First and Second Peter. His position among the apostles. His name, if you notice the list that we handed out last week, his name always heads the list of apostles. It's always at the beginning. Uh, perhaps it may be because he may have been the oldest of the apostles. Okay, In Matthew 10 in, in, and verse 2, it mentions Peter as the first. And uh, the Greek word for first is protos, means, which means foremost, first in the sense of rank. And of course we know that he was the outspoken leader of the apostles. <clears throat> Pardon me. His name's always first. He was the spokesman for uh, the apostles. And let me give you some examples here. Um, when we say he was the spokesperson, he was always speaking out. It was Peter who, at the Lord's transfiguration, wanted to build three tabernacles. Do you remember that? In Matthew 17. It was Peter who asked, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? In Matthew 18. It was Peter who inquired, what was to be the reward of those who left everything and followed Jesus in Matthew 19? And then it was Peter who asked about the fig tree when it withered away in Mark 11. It was Peter who answered when Jesus asked the crowd, Who touched me? Well, it was Peter who responded. It was also Peter who, just preceding Pentecost, suggested that they elect another apostle to replace Judas in Acts chapter 1. And it was Peter who asked Jesus, what should John do in John chapter 21 after his resurrection? You remember, uh, Peter wanted to know, Jesus said, you know, what's, what's that to you? You follow me. Don't worry about John. And, uh, and then it was Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved in Acts chapter 2. Okay. And then he was also part of the inner circle. Uh, those who were the closest to the Lord Jesus, he along with James and John, enjoyed a very special relationship with the Lord, and they're referred to as his inner circle. <clears throat> and then let's look at his portrait now, okay? First of all, we're going to see Peter the believer, and that's where you can start filling in your, the blanks on your lesson sheet. Peter, the believer. Of this we are definitely sure. Peter was saved. There's no doubt about that. We know that. And uh, scriptures to reference is John chapter 21 and uh, 2 Peter 1 and verse 1. So we know that he was a believer. He had placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His brother Andrew brought him to Jesus, introduced him to him, and at that moment he uh, was saved. Um, there's something interesting that as we study the apostles, um, 
un- unlike today in many of our churches where we have to show some uh, response to the uh, to the gospel message, uh, we can refer to as what do we usually call it? An invitation. Some people teach that if you don't respond and during the invitation come down to the altar, you you can't be saved. You've got to come and kneel at the altar to be saved. And there's a lot of other stuff like that. Nowhere in all of the, nowhere with all of these apostles are we going to see that. Jesus simply said to them, "Come and follow me," and they did. They left everything behind. They left their fishing nets. Peter, James, and John. Uh, they left their business, their tax collecting tables. Matthew, for instance. But there's nowhere in the scriptures where it tells us to do what some advocate we should do today to be saved. Brother Mike, I believe, and I've always believed this, someone can be saved sitting right there in their seat wherever they are. They hear the gospel, God's Holy Spirit convicts their heart, and at that very moment, they respond and say yes to Jesus. And at that moment, that person can be saved. Yes, Mike? We're studying Hebrews, so obviously, it's uh, basically the deity of Christ. And... uh, and the other thing is that the, we're, you know, the theological Armenian teachings that are going on around the world, they convince you to say the prayer right. while they say the power. But I believe I, when we think about it, Jesus told them to come and they came. That's yes. because God activated their heart Amen. and made them come. Yes. Because He's God. He created you. He can do anything He wants for yep. you. He can bring you to life um, in a simple sure. nutshell. So, when they talk in general terms, come to Christ and we're preaching out of the Bible with general offering to come, those that hear will come. Because those that didn't come didn't hear. Oh, well, they didn't respond. Yeah, or they, they rejected. Yeah. So they, I mean, they yeah. physically heard, but they didn't hear. Right. I, I don't, uh, again, nowhere in the scriptures do we find of Jesus asking somebody to pray the sinner's prayer. Exactly. If you know it, let me know, all right? And I'll correct it myself. <clears throat> but uh, he just, uh, I, I think, and we're, we're going to see this when we get to Matthew, for instance. Uh, many of these men, they knew the Scriptures. They knew the Old Testament. And they were looking for a Messiah. And when Jesus came on the scene, and they said, like John did, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Then some of John's followers left him and began to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, there's no praying a, a, a sinner's prayer. There's no kneeling at an altar. They just simply, they knew like Matthew, he knew that this was the Messiah. And he placed his faith and trust in him. Okay. Um, so we see Peter, uh, the believer. But then secondly, we're going to see Peter, the backslider. You know, backsliding, by the way, how would you describe backsliding? What, what is backsliding? Is it losing your salvation? No. Okay. Taking your eye off of God. Taking your eye off of, of God, off of the Lord Jesus. Um, it's, not, it's not the loss of salvation. That's very important because many people uh, think that they've lost their salvation when they've backslidden. Here it is. It is the willful step backward into sin. To backslide means to relapse into bad habits, 
sinful behavior or undesirable activities to turn away, and it always begins in your heart. Melody, could you read Proverbs 14, 14, please? Proverbs 14 and verse 14. Again, backsliding always begins in your heart. All right? And um, what were the events that led to Peter's backsliding? Well, there are several. Okay? And we're, we're not going to look at all the scriptures right now, uh, but you can look at these. And I've, have I given you some on your lesson sheet there? Okay. Uh, the first one is this He became self confident. He became self confident. You remember. What Jesus said to them, to Peter, he said, "You're gonna, you're gonna deny me." And what did Peter say? Peter said, "Peter said, no way, not me, Lord. I'll never deny you." And so did all the other apostles. So he became self-confident. And when we become self-confident, we stop relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a step backwards. And then, secondly, he followed Jesus from a distance. You remember when the Lord was arrested and Peter followed, but it says that he followed from a distance. Although he was part of the inner circle, now he begins to drift away from the Lord Jesus. And that's what happens when you become self-confident. Peter the rock is now chipping away. All right? And then he followed the wrong crowd. He went and he sat down with those around the fire his, those who arrested him, his accusers. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. And so that's what he did. He began to follow the wrong crowd. Remember here an illustration about a parrot. And uh, he was flying around a farm one day and he saw a bunch of crows on a telephone wire and he thought he'd go down there and join them. And uh, before long, the farmer came out and uh, began to shoot him with a shotgun. And as the parrot was falling to the ground, he said, Ark! Ark! Wrong crowd! Wrong crowd! And that's what happens when we get mixed up with the wrong people. Um, You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 1, verse 1, what does it say? Blessed is the man that what? Walk, that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. And then, of course, you know the rest of it. But um, we need to be careful that uh, when you begin to hang around with the wrong people, you're in trouble. And then finally, in Luke 22, he denied the Lord. Um, but wait a minute, before we get too, before we're too harsh on Peter, um, how often have you and I denied him? Huh? Yeah. But then remember, too, that all the others fled. They all denied the Lord Jesus. So first of all, we saw Peter the Rock's now chipping. He's chipping away little by little. And now, Peter the Rock, he's beginning to crumble. And then finally, finally in Luke 
uh, chapter four, uh, Mark chapter 14 and verse 71, it says that he began to curse and to swear. Now, I think that this is important, all right? I, I don't believe, and I've done a study of this, and I personally don't believe, believe that he used the profanity that is used today. Okay? Rather, he placed himself, uh, stay with me, all right? Rather, he placed himself under God's curse if he were lying to them and put himself under oath. The word cursed, is, is, the Greek word is uh, an, anathem atzio. I, I probably didn't pronounce that right. But uh, that, that word means to bind under a curse, to bind with an oath, to swear, to declare oneself liable to the severest divine penalties. One commentator, commentator said this, quote, Peter could never call Jesus accursed. In so doing, he would have sinned the sin against the Holy Ghost, but he cursed himself. He began to imprecate. Anybody know what that word means? Anybody ever use that word? Imprecate. It means to curse. He began to curse himself. He made dreadful imprecations and wishes. He wishes that all the miseries and calamities that he could think of might fall upon him if he was one of Jesus' disciples or if he knew anything about him. In essence, Peter was saying, I don't know the man, and if I do, God do so to me or more also. Let vengeance light upon me. May I be the most miserable creature in the world if I know anything about him. And he swore and he cursed himself. Uh, that's what I personally believe that that's referring to. He didn't use the cuss words that we use today. So we find here this is Peter's third denial. He repeats what he had said in the second denial, but he affirms it with imprecations of divine wrath on himself if he spoke not the truth. Do you understand that I make that clear? Do you understand what... This is saying, okay. Exasperated by the repeated accusations, Peter loses his temper and he begins to emphasize his denial by cursing. Desire to make good his denial is now supreme in his thoughts and the Lord whom he denies is all but forgotten. So, what do we say about Peter? Peter the rock began chipping away. And then Peter the rock began to crumble. And now finally, Peter the rock has turned to sand. He went back after that to his old business of fishing. And you know what happened? He also influenced others to go with him. Folks, whenever someone, whenever someone backslides, uh, you can be sure that often they will take others with them. I've seen it so many times. An old pastor has Folks are walking with the Lord, and then they begin to fall away. And before long, they're dragging other people with them. It will affect our family. It will affect our friends. And it will affect our foes, too. Our lives and testimony affect others. People are watching us. So, someone has said that... Sorry, what? I have a lot of questions. 
You've got a lot of questions. Okay, hang on. One hard question. What? One hard question. One hard question. Someone has said that sin will cost you more than you want to pay. It will take you further than you want to go. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. How true that is. So, we see uh, Peter, the believer. Peter, the backslider. We'll get, I'll get your question at the end, okay? And then, thirdly, we see Peter brought back. Peter is now uh, brought back. So let's see how the Lord brought Peter back into fellowship, okay? You know what he did? Jesus gave him a second chance. You ever had a second chance? Mm-hmm. I'm glad that God is a God of second chances. First of all, He made Peter a failure. In John 21, verse 3, remember they went out fishing. Peter goes back to his old fishing business. He drags along some of his partners and they fish all night and they caught what? Nothing. Nothing. And, uh, uh, you know, God knows how to get our attention. So what did He do? He showed Peter that by doing His will, He could succeed. Because in John, uh, let me just turn there, okay, John 21, in John 21, and uh, verse 3, it says, well, let me read verse 1, begin at verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed He Himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, looks like he drug along quite a few of the other disciples, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, well, we're going to go with you. We'll also go. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately and that night they caught nothing. Here are seasoned fishermen. That's their their livelihood. These men knew how to fish, and yet they caught nothing. But then, Jesus said unto them, well, in verse 5, And Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? Have ye caught anything? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship. And you shall find. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered what difference it made what side of the ship they cast their nets on? Probably really not. What difference does it make whether you put it on the right side or the left side? Well, I think it was a matter of obedience and trust. You see, folks, because without Jesus, we fail. Without Him, we can do nothing. John 15 and verse 5 tells us that. Well, they took the net up from the one side of the ship and they cast it on the other, and then there were so many they couldn't hardly bring them in. So He showed Peter that by doing His will, He could succeed. And then third, He showed His love and concern. You see, Jesus still loved Peter, even though He had backslidden, even though He had denied the Lord Jesus. And I'm glad to know that that He cares for us when we fall. And all we have to do is confess our sin of backsliding and return to Him. 
And that's what Peter did. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, so He made Peter a failure. He showed Peter that by doing His will, He could succeed. He showed His loving concern. And then finally, He cut deep into Peter's heart. And He asked him, how many times? If He loved him? Three times. How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. You reckon there's significance there? Well, Peter had denied the Lord three times. You can read that in John chapter 21. So, 50 days later, on the day of Pentecost, it was Peter who preached the wonderful message of forgiveness and salvation. His sins were forgiven. His fellowship with the Lord was restored. And now he was back. Not as shifting sand, but again as a rock. And 3,000 souls were saved that day. Peter dominates the first 12 chapters of Acts. But then he drops off the pages of apostolic history. You don't read any more about him. Now, in John 21, verse 18, Jesus predicted his death, Peter's death, by crucifixion. Peter refers to his own death in 2 Peter 1 and verse 14. And tradition says that because he felt unworthy to be crucified as his Savior, that he requested that he be crucified upside down. And so you'll see pictures of Peter, any picture that deals with his martyrdom, his crucifixion, he's upside down. Um, we, We sang the hymn, Come Thou Found of every blessing. Number 15, if you want to turn there, because we're going to sing the last stanza in a moment. But let me tell you the story behind this hymn. One day, Robert Robinson was traveling by coach. And he had as a fellow passenger a young lady. And as she was reading a book, she came across a verse she thought was beautiful. She began to read it. And the verse said this, Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. She asked Robert what he thought of it, and suddenly he began to weep. And with tears streaming down his cheeks, he said, Madam, I am the man who wrote those words many years ago. I'd give anything to experience again the joy I knew then. And although greatly surprised, she assured him that the streams of mercy mentioned in his song will still flow. And Robinson was deeply touched. He turned his wandering heart to the Lord and he was restored to full fellowship. This evening, uh, you may be saved like Robert Robinson, but like him, you, you, you have a wandering heart. And you've allowed something to come between you and God. Well, there's still streams of mercy for you. So why not ask the Lord Jesus Christ to restore that full fellowship you once knew? Are you a Peter? You know, after each apostle, I'm going to ask you, are you a the next apostle and so on? But right now, are you a Peter? 
saved, but a backslider. Well, praise the Lord that when we fall, He will bring us back into fellowship. And He is the God of second chances. Aren't you glad that He is? So these men, these twelve, Jesus chose to carry out His great commission to the world. He can also use us. There's hope for you and I. Amen and amen.